I have this snapshot in time it's burned into my memory from 18 years ago. And I was a junior account person with just two years ad agency experience starting a new job at a big, rapidly growing promotional agency. It was my first day. I hadn't met my boss yet because he was just starting too. And he was a seasoned ad agency guy on major brands, so a heavy hitter. And the snapshot I have is of us face to face for the first time shaking hands, just meeting him. And he firmly says, hi, I'm your supervisor. I don't know anything about promotions and I expect you to learn and teach me. It was really a defining moment. It's etched in my mind and I knew at that moment it was sink or swim. I'm Holly Aguirre, president of New Honor Society. Celebrating the lives, work, and achievements of women around the world. The Drum presents Exceptional Women of the World, hosted by The Drum's America's editor, Doug Zanger. All right, let us start with three questions. The first one is, what is there no substitute for? And why is that? There is, I think, no substitute for effort, zeal, and enthusiasm. So those are three words, but they're all kind of the same thing. It's that interest and that passion and the drive that keeps you going. Even when things are hard or confusing or you hit a wall, you can't really replace it. Or you can't make it up. People can't fake it. They either have it or they don't. When we're looking at our teammates and the teams that we're putting together, one of the things that we do is um, we do an assessment. And it's an assessment that helps you determine if someone would be a good fit for the company or the team. And it's actually approved by the EEOC to help make hiring decisions. But the one thing that it can't assess is that energy and enthusiasm. And so you can have somebody that looks great in a resume, great on paper, has all the credentials, but if they don't have that drive and aren't willing to put in that effort, at some point along the way, they lose interest in what they're doing or, or maybe they're just not as successful as they could be at something. I like the zeal part. Tell me more about the zeal. No one said zeal. zeal. You're the first one who okay. said zeal. You All said right. zeal. Well, I- you, you mentioned zeal. There's some zeal happening there. I would like to know about this particular form well, of zeal. Well, I will tell you where I picked up the word. And there's actually a, a, a book <laughs> that's called Grit. And it talks about what makes someone successful. And I'm only three chapters in, but that point already stuck with me. And the author speaks about, you know, intelligence or intellect. Everyone looks at that, which might be said in another way, raw talent. And then there's Mm -hmm. hard work. You know, you have someone who is a hard worker and puts, you know, long hours in and will try their best. But if they don't also have zeal, and that was a word that she used, which I wasn't familiar with either. And I have said it in different ways. But when she summed it up, I'm like, yes, that's the word. And that is that enthusiasm. And that energy that keeps someone moving forward. And that can also be, you know, inspiring to a team, too. You need that person who just keeps picking themselves back up and keep moving forward. So I'm borrowing it from the I author like it. of Grit. Well, no, <laughs> take it. Take it. Just, yeah, yeah, own that one. What should we be talking about in 2018? Moving on to the second question sure. here. Well, there's is already a conversation that started this year, and it's been going on for a while, but I think it is how brands can change the world and change the world for the better. So this is something that's been a focus of ours for a while as an agency and thinking about the clients that we work with, 
But on a grander scale, if we think about brands investing in marketing, a significant amount of dollars, and if we think about how that marketing is meant to influence people and their perceptions and the decisions that they make, that brands, if they, they can do good while building their business. So it doesn't mean, you know, cause marketing and, and those sorts of things, but you're already seeing a lot of brands who are standing for something more than the product or the service that they sell. So I keep an eye on this in the market. And actually, Doug, I just read about it in the drum today, how Unilever is pledging to cut ties with platforms that create division. That stands out to me. So the fact that they're not investing in platforms that don't protect children or create division in society, that's a really significant way that a brand can help change the world for the better. I thought it was impressive that Unilever, as a big brand who has a mass audience, is taking that stand. And I think it's something that we will see continue, not just because brands will think it's the right thing to do, but because their audience, the consumer or the customer, is going to begin to expect it more and more. And they'll be looking at brands for values that they share beyond just the things that they're buying for them. So I think someday, we'll we'll be talking about it now, but I I do think someday we'll be seeing it um, more significantly impacting society. Let me ask you this, though, because from the, you know, 40s through the 70s, the whole idea of the whole idea of a corporation was a little bit more balanced than it is today, which is purely about shareholder Mm -hmm. value. So how do you square that? Because the intention of a corporation is to enhance shareholder Mm -hmm. value. How do you find that balance when you're talking to brands? Does that come up? It it does. And I suppose that assumes that the shareholders only make decisions based on money. That's the most significant reason, of course. But I think those shareholders are also human beings. And I think you will begin to see even the shareholders deciding where they want to put their money in. And to be a brand that's making the world a better place doesn't mean that they're not successful and that they're not financially viable. I can give you an example, if you like. It's one of our, our clients we just started working with, but they are... A U.S. Bancorp Community Development Corporation. They're a division of U.S. Bank, and clearly, money is the focus when you're in banking. But well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, they work in tax credits, and so they make investments in communities. But it's always been about you know how much money it was going to be make in return. But they are now focusing on the investments that they make and how they impact society. They're also looking at um, and and that's. What they're doing is making that a part of the first part of the conversation. When you get a business deal on the table, it used to be, what's the return on this? And they're shifting from what's the, what's the impact on society and then what's the return? And that's not an easy shift to make because at the end of the day, it's still about the return on the investment. But they're finding the balance between, yes, the return and also making an impact on society. And I think we will begin to see people who will be attracted to that and think that's a place that I want to invest that can have a significant impact on you know, the reputation of U.S. bank even in terms of how you look at a bank. Um, and banks aren't often looked at positively, unfortunately. So that can make a big difference in where people want to invest their money. Yeah, yeah makes sense. B- before we turn this into we're talking about banking and yeah. brands, let's, <laughs> <laughs> let's go to the third question. What, what, what do you not fear? Well, I don't fear conflict. Uh, which <laughs> interesting <laughs> do tell all right i like where we're going with this go um, for it i think it's an opportunity i see it as an opportunity whenever there's 
you know, an uncomfortable situation or something has gone wrong or something, somebody is not happy with something or things are falling apart, I see opportunity. I see this as an opportunity to either strengthen a relationship. There's been an issue that hasn't been brought to light that now we're learning about it. Now we can do something about it. It's an opportunity to pivot sometimes because things were going in a direction that wasn't working or wasn't healthy. And I, I don't, I can't really explain why I not only don't mind it, but I'm drawn to it. Like I want to, <laughs> I'm right there. Were you pre-law? Wait, what's going on? Do here? I what? <laughs> Were you pre-law in college? What's oh, going on wow. here? You know, I didn't really think about that. My dad is an attorney. So ah, I may have learned those skills okay. early on in negotiating <laughs> uh, some challenging situations. But I think, you know, when you can get a positive outcome out of something like that, then that's rewarding. That's a challenge I like. Um, yeah. So I kind of am actually drawn to it. And now people know it and they'll be like, oh, we'll have Holly handle it or send Holly in or make her do it. And I'm like, I'll gladly do it because this is an opportunity. That's how I see it. Let's go over to the must okay. list. Uh, what is a must do? A must do. All right. This will sound, this may sound a little wacky to some people, not to others. The Disney Dream Cruise. So, okay. It's, it's 50, 50 from, it's like half. I think that's wacky, but I also get probably where you're okay, going. So with I this. was the one that says I will never do a Disney dream cruise. I don't think I'm a cruise person and I'm definitely not a <laughs> Disney cruise person or even maybe a Disney person. But once you have a child, you might change your <laughs> mind. So I thought I would never get on a ship like that, but, um, some friends of mine went and they came back and they were like, Oh, raving, raving. And I heard lots of people rave about it. And I was just like, no, there's no way you can't convince me to do it. For some reason, this particular couple and their kids, I was like, okay, well, if they liked it, maybe, maybe I'll like it. So my husband for his birthday, he said, I don't know, I want to do something just outrageous or wacky or not too serious. We usually go into some city and walking all over, but he wanted to go on a Disney dream cruise. And if you knew him, you, you would never, never, never guess he would want to go. So I said, okay, because it was my free pass to go. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. And there's something, it's a different world. It's a different place. The, uh, you know, your every need is tended to, but it is magical. There's no way I can even describe it to you when they say it's magical. It's magical. To the extent that when we got off the ship and I'm walking back through the port and started interacting with just your everyday average person, I, it was an abrupt change. I'm like, we are not in Disney anymore. These people are not happy. <laughs> These people are not mm-hmm. joyous. They're not even necessarily kind in some places. So I'm going to, for all those skeptics out there who say, I would never go on a Disney Dream Cruise, I was with you, and I would say you have to try it at least once. It's pretty amazing. Okay. You're not going to go, are you? Jotted it down. No, I am going to go. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm going to get sucked into yeah. that, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Six-year-old and a nine-year-old? Yeah, I'm getting sucked into that, of yes. course. You'll enjoy yes. it. Let's talk about a must experience. What is a must okay, experience? must experience. So I am not, I'm not a significant religious person. I'd say I'm not very religious at all, actually. But we took a trip to Barcelona, Spain, and everyone says, oh, you have to see Sagrada Familia, the big church that's there. And I was kind of like, oh, yeah, okay, we'll take a trip and we're going to see a church. So I'm like, you have to check it off the box because everyone says you must go. Um, and you'll see pictures of it. And you can look <laughs> at it. And it's an amazing, you know, architectural feat. 
but it is, we went and it is so much more. And it's another case of where I was misjudging, just like the Disney Dream Cruise, and thinking, yeah, this will be, you know, interesting and a great story, but it's so complex in its levels of stories and the history of it. And they're still working on it, right? Over, you know, however many decades they've been working on it. And I realized that I think, I was like, why would someone design a church that they're not going to finish. They're not going to see completed in their lifetime. And so this is me filling in the blank on this. And I thought, because working on the church is tending the church and it continues to involve the community in building it. So I don't know that it will ever be done. They say it'll be done in 2025. We'll see. Uh, I think that's it. But I filled in the blank and said, they just keep working on it and building it because that's part of the story of the church. So again, it's one of those things where if Disney is magical, saying Sagrada Familia is a must experience. It's really hard to put into words, but if you haven't been, it's an amazing, amazing place. I like that. That's very different. I love it. What is a must read? Well, other than Grit, which I'm reading right now, another sure, book that I've started that but in. haven't yep. finished, I kind of pick them up and put them down and pick it back up again. Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. I guess I won't try to paraphrase it too much, but it's about how people make decisions or how they process information. And sometimes you're making a decision based on all of your knowledge and experience and it's um, you're, com you're coming to that decision without really even realizing you're processing it, which is the thinking fast. And then thinking slow, of course, is the opposite of that where you're consciously weighing information and making calculated decisions. And I'm not doing it justice by summing it up in those couple of sentences because it's a pretty thick book that goes pretty deep on how people make decisions and how they process information, which is a, something I find fascinating. If I want the shorthand version of something like that, I'm generally picking up Scientific American Mind, which is basically the... Uh, snackable content version of thinking fast and slow. Right. Well, I, I've, I've got to believe that for doing what we do, that's got to be really helpful because that's added insight that we forget about too much because we move so fast. It's like, here's some, here's some qualitative, here's some quantitative, here's some data, go, 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 go. And then you not, don't necessarily think about motivations. Mm -hmm. And how people exactly. think. So pack of gum versus buying a house. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it helps in what we do, you know, in marketing and advertising, but it, it also helps. It's, um, I guess it's a little bit of a self, you know, self-help book because it makes you more aware of how you're making decisions and when you're thinking too fast or, you know, when you need to be thinking slower. So I love learning that stuff like and then it. observing it even in myself. What's a must learn? A must learn, which I have not completely learned yet, is behavioral economics better understanding behaviors and how people make decisions. And this is a fascination of mine going way back. I, as a kid, I was more of an observer than a participator. So in my head, I was mm. just always processing, why are they doing that? And what makes that kid so confident to go do X, Y, or Z? And why is this person doing this? And I was literally lost in my own head, but always kind of weighing and trying to understand why people do what they do, um, which I think naturally took me to this business. I was also fascinated by advertising and as a kid just judging I think that's a good story or you know that's not a good commercial whatever so 
I think there's a lot to know within behavioral economics that I've only skimmed the surface of. And at some point, I would love to even go back into education systems and and learn more about that. But right now, I just self-educate when I can, where I can. We do have strategic planners, so please know I'm not the only one making decisions. (laughs) (laughs) My name is Holly, and I do it all. I do it all. I know my limits. Yes. What's a question you've never been asked before that you'd love someone to ask you and what would the answer uh, be? You know, this was a this was a little bit of a stumper. And then I realized there is something I would love for someone to ask me. And I think about it every time it rains, a good rain. And I see someone walking in the rain. And if it's like a kid or a mom and the kids or, or an elder or, you know, someone's dressed up really nice and they're just getting downpour on, the question I would love to be asked is, uh, if you would like to help me pass out free umbrellas to people stuck walking in the rain. And it's, I think about like someday when I, you know, can, you know, I'm filthy rich and I'm sitting around looking for things to do. All I want to do is load up my car and go out in the rain and give people umbrellas. It would make me happy. That's a genuinely random question, a genuinely random answer. And I appreciate <laughs> the genuine randomness of that. <laughs> well, you're welcome. No, I just don't. I mean, it's, but at the, at the core of it, it's just, you know what? I, it's just doing good and it's a very specific part of being good and as a human being and doing good as a human yeah, being. Yeah. Right? I suppose so you know, there's been times like I have an umbrella and somebody doesn't and I, I was should I give them my umbrella? And I'm like, but I'm gonna get wet and I can't do that every time, so I have to I have to stop myself. Every guest on the show gets a chance to talk about whatever they'd like for a minute or two. So without further ado, the floor is yours. Oh, well, thank you. This is something that I, I think about often. You sort of never stop learning. You never stop growing. You never stop changing. And, it, and if, you're, if you have a lot of zeal, then you are always looking for the next thing and have this enthusiasm. But a lot of the things that I focus on, I'm always self-reflecting on each of us as individuals being a brand in the same sense that we are marketing our clients' brands, but how do we manage ourselves in terms of what do people get when they get me? What do people get from me? And I can't give them, you know, I always have to keep evolving and changing and you're always expected to grow and learn, um, but it's always fine-tuning yourself. And and I, I have to imagine that a lot of people are always thinking, what am I going to do next and what's my next move? And... I don't know, maybe people don't question if they can really do it or will they succeed. But as, as I'm always moving along, I'm thinking, am I being consistent and true to myself? And am I being consistent and true to those who know me and those who expect things from me? And especially in a leadership role, as you're pushing yourself to continue to grow and evolve, it's a fine balance. So that's something that I've been thinking about a lot lately actually sort of had that in my head in my very early days of my career is I am a brand and what do people get when they get me and how do I keep delivering it consistently? We'd like to wrap up the show with one last piece of advice or wisdom. What would be your final word? So I, we covered a couple of topics, but I think the most, most important thing I think is to think about how we behave as people and how brands behave as brands. And that's really, I think, the thread throughout a lot of the things that we talked about. So in terms of, you know, we think about helping brands be better people, but how do we improve ourselves? And how do we help improve those around us? And, um, and by improve, I don't mean 
be successful in terms of a business sense necessarily. Yes, that's always a part of it. But how can we think about improving in the sense that we're adding more value to the world and to the people around us? So the book Grit that I mentioned earlier is, is one of those ways um, because it is a challenge. And that book is one way that I'm focusing on helping find the endurance to do that. Love it. Well, Holly, thank you so much for joining us. First guest from St. Louis. And we know it's a great brand town and great agencies like yourself there. And we appreciate you very much taking the time and joining us today. Okay, great. Thank you, Doug.